0: Well, as we look at this sermon series, and we are four weeks in, Pastor Chris mentioned that last week we saw a shift that had taken place. The first part of the Lord's Prayer really talked about who God is and the presence of God. But last week we saw this shift where these petitions started to look for what we were asking for. We asked for our daily bread, and this week we're asking for the forgiveness of sins. And this section is actually the longest petition, the longest section of the Lord's Prayer, and it's actually the only section that has a follow-up to it. A lot of times when Jesus was speaking to his audience, he would know that maybe a little bit of a follow-up would be helpful, and so he would expand a little bit about what he was talking about. We saw this with the parable of the sower. He goes back and he kind of expands upon what he was talking about so that those who are listening have a deeper appreciation and understanding Of what he was talking about but as we start this conversation I want you to picture a rock not the rock Dwayne Johnson but a rock so this is just an example of a rock that you could pick Um, it could look exactly like this you have the autonomy here to make it as smooth as you would like as jagged as you would like It can be nice and clean like this. It could have mud on it, dirt, sand, or whatever. You can name it if you want. You you know, We have pet rocks now. People have them. If you want to give your rock a name, that's totally up to you. But the only thing I ask is that when we talk about this rock, I want this to be a two-handed rock. I want this a rock that you got to put a little bit of effort in to pick up and hold on to. Not too heavy to where you can't hang on to it, but I want you to feel it feel the girth, feel the weight that this rock has. And we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about it a couple times throughout our sermon. All right, so forgiveness. What is it? We're going to talk about it. When Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, the word for forgiveness that is used is afiemi, which means to let go, to release, to send away. So, We know that some type of occurrence has happened, probably negative, some type of offense has happened towards you. And when we offer forgiveness, that means it is let go, it is sent away, it's not to be brought up again. You're not going to hold it over this person's head continually, maybe in another fight, oh yeah, remember that one time you did that and constantly bring it up? I heard a little story about a father who he asks his daughter what she wants to eat, And she says, whatever you want to cook me, except for a burnt quesadilla, because apparently four years prior, he burnt a quesadilla for lunch for her. So that's not exactly what forgiveness is. She kind of always brings it up. Whatever you, you know, hey, dad, cook me whatever you want, except a burnt quesadilla. So she hasn't really let that one go, as we could say. But when we talk about what forgiveness is, maybe it's more helpful to also see what forgiveness is not. You've probably heard the phrase, forgive and forget, right? forgive and forget. It sounds great. It's nice and neat and kind of packed up, but it's not always helpful either. Um, It's not scriptural either. In Isaiah 43, we hear God talking about forgiving and forgetting our sins, but that's God doing the forgetting. God can handle to push those aside. But for ourselves, when these occurrences, these offenses happen towards us, we may be opening ourselves up and even harming ourselves if we just forget about them, maybe re-entering into these situations where harm was done or trauma was done to us. So forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting. Forgiveness is also not where the, the offense just didn't happen. We can't just say, sorry, and then all of a sudden it just, everything wrong that had been done just goes away. I grew up uh, with a typical group of friends who would often like mess with each other and give each other a hard time and play jokes on each other. And I remember one time I got a swirly. And if you don't know what a swirly is, it's a pretty horrible thing that friends used to do to each other. And they'd be like, ah, just kidding. It's like, well, I, I still have toilet water in my hair. Um, yeah, you gave me a swirly and you're joking, but I, I'm, I'm still kind of suffering the effects from this. And so forgiveness is not necessarily that it just didn't happen. So when we offer the forgiveness, there might be some repair work that needs to be done. There might be healing that needs to take place, or maybe even just time given to the situation. And last but not least, forgiveness is not just a choice, but it's also a process. Again, maybe some healing, maybe a little bit of time maybe a little bit of acts of showing that this isn't gonna happen again. So not only a choice, but also a process. Okay, so we know what forgiveness is, what forgiveness is not. But when we say these words, especially in the Lord's Prayer, what exactly are we forgiving? Are we forgiving debts? Are we forgiving sins? Or are we forgiving trespasses? And we're gonna pull those apart. We actually had a staff meeting, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, all of our staff here at Asbury come together, talk about current events, what each of us need to know, and we said the Lord's Prayer together. Pastor Chris led us in this. And as we led this conversation, and as we prayed these words, Morgan, the director of our Early Learning Center, was sitting next to me, and she goes, "'I'm so used to saying it this way "'when you all say it this way.'" You know, this was not her tradition that she grew up with, saying it the way that we said it in that meeting. And so that was interesting to me because I thought, you know, what is the differences between these? So I figure it'd be helpful to talk about them. The first one being debts, or afelemata, which is found in the Matthew version of the Lord's Prayer. And this is exactly what you would expect a debt to be. This is something that is owed from one person to another, a repayment of some type that is needing to be paid. Jesus, being incredibly smart, he knew that his audience would know about debts, which is why he used it. Probably specifically in the form of farming when he mentions debts. So, a lot of times, what would happen is a farmer would lease land from a landowner. The landowner would not have a use for it, but they would lease a crop of land they would grow their crop, they would harvest their crop, and then they would sell it. And then they would repay the debt back to the owner of the land. This was a debt that Jesus knew his people would talk about. And when this debt was paid off, this was known as redemption. That debt was redeemed. And the person who paid off that debt was the redeemer. So redemption, and Redeemer, or the repayment of debts. And we have two types of debts. We have debts of omission, these are good deeds that we fail to have done, and so a debt is owed. Or these are debts of commission, things we shouldn't have done but we've done anyway. And it's a debt that needs to be paid. And when that debt is forgiven, that was known as mercy. When that person had no way of repaying back what they owed, mercy was given, and the debt was wiped clean. All right, you still holding on to your rock? Still going strong? Getting a little heavy? Making you sweat a little bit? All right, the next forgiveness is offered for our sins, and the word here is hamardia, or missing the mark, and this is found in the Luke version, in Luke 11, and this specifically is referencing archery. When I was young, I used to go to a summer camp up in North Carolina, and I was terrible at archery. Anybody have to do archery at summer camp when you were younger? Yeah. Anybody actually good at archery? Anybody? We got one. Okay, good. We got a few. Okay. I was terrible. I was pumped up if I could get the, the arrow 10 feet. That was all I was like good for, like check me out. I got it 10 feet, got nowhere near the mark, but I'm still claiming it as a victory. But that's what Homardia was. Hamartia was the mark that these archers would shoot for. And when they would miss this mark, that was known as hamartia, missing the mark. And actually, this was actually picked up by Greek tragedies and Greek plays. When a character committed some type of action that led to their downfall, that was also known as hamartia. So it's a missing of the mark, and it's an action that leads to one's downfall. And when sins comes up in the New Testament, this is the primary form that is used, hamartia. And Scripture gives us so many examples of this mark that we're aiming for. Jesus tells us about loving our neighbor. Jesus tells us to care for the poor and the needy. Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. The Apostle Paul talks about that in The Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. When we have Christ within us, we exhibit these fruit of the Spirit. These are the marks that we're given to aim for. But Scripture, thankfully, is also full of people who didn't make the mark and who missed it. We think the Old Testament of David basically committing murder for his adulterous ways And even an example in the New Testament of Peter denying Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And to be honest, I'm thankful that we have these examples of those who missed the mark because if it was all people who were perfect, that'd be pretty overwhelming and intimidating, wouldn't it? But we also see God working through them. We see God offering forgiveness to those who have missed the mark. Which brings us to our last trespasses, or paraptomata, which is a falling away or misstep. And trespasses is actually the primary format that the Catholic faith uses in the Our Father. Also a lot of Orthodox traditions and other Christian um, Protestant religions use this format of trespasses. And my father was an architect And a lot of times when he was working on a project or a building, we would go to the job site and they would always have a no trespassing sign. And I'm thinking, dad, we, we can't set foot on this property. I mean, no trespassing. And this is what Jesus was talking about. This is the cardinal sin. We can't go up here. Well, I obviously wasn't correct, but I wasn't too far off either because it is a falling away or a misstep. We can think of this probably very similar when we talk about, Uh, hamartia or this missing of the mark. God has a plan for us. God has a desire for us, a journey, a path for us. But when we trespass, that's us going down a path we should not have gone. And I talked about a postscript where Jesus expands upon this. This can be found in that postscript in Matthew 14 and 15 in chapter 6. William Tyndale was the gentleman who took the Greek. Bible and translated it directly from the Greek into English in 1526. And this was the word that he placed in there: this trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How's the rock doing? Still got it? Hanging on to it? Getting annoying? Am I getting annoying asking about it? Good. Well, in this petition, the longest it also has two sides to it and there's even a condition to it because it is not only forgiveness we're asking for it is the forgiveness that we give to others as well Jesus clarifies and says forgive us our sins or our trespasses or our debts as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us and this is told beautifully In Matthew 18, when Jesus gives us the parable of the unforgiving servant. Story sets up with a servant who owes 10,000 gold coins to his master. 10,000 gold coins. And realizing there's no way in his lifetime that he's ever going to be able to repay these coins, he goes to his master and he says, Master, there's no way I can repay this. Please forgive me of this debt that I owe to you. And the master finds the forgiveness in his heart and he says, I forgive you. Of this. Consider your debt to me wiped clean. So the man going out and celebrating, what's the first thing he does? He says, I gotta get my money now. So he goes and he finds the other servant who owes him a hundred gold coins, so 1% of what he had just been forgiven, and he goes and he has this man thrown into jail after he just had his massive debt forgiven. Well, some of the other servants, they find out about this, they're upset, they're angry, and they go to the master and they tell him about it. And then it picks up in verse 32, this is chapter 18, when it has this. It says, then the master called the servant in, says, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Jesus finishes up by saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. And this is strong language from Jesus, isn't it? This is how my heavenly father will do to you, or what my heavenly father will do to you. Oftentimes, it was common practice of Jewish rabbis to speak in hyperbole, and overstate things, and it's my speculation that this is probably where Jesus was aligning, just really trying to signify and really trying to note how important it is, this forgiveness we give to other people, because God has forgiven us for so, so much. C.S. Lewis has a quote that says, to be a Christian is to be forgiving, or to forgive the inexcusable in others, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. The forgiveness that God gives to us is the forgiveness that we should offer to others. Still got the rock? Keep going. We're almost there. So when Jesus gives us this conditional, this forgiveness of sins, I wonder how much of this is for our own good. Yes, it's good for a community. Yes, it's good for relationships. But how much of that benefits us when we forgive others? Remember, we talked about one of the marks of loving your neighbor? Well, in Mark 12, Jesus is trying to be tripped up, or some of the religious leaders try to trip Jesus up, and they ask him what the most important commandment is, and he says this, As you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as who? Yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. When we offer that forgiveness to other people, that benefit might be just as good for us because we are the ones holding on to the anger and the resentment. We are the ones who are holding on to it, not the other person. Anne Lamott, in her book, Traveling Mercies, has this quote. She says, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Right? That forgiveness that we're holding in, we're the ones holding that poison. We're the ones drinking that poison, thinking it's the other person that's going to be affected by it. You got the rock still? All right. Take that rock. Still got it with both hands. I want you to drop it. Let it go. Feel it hit the ground. Feel the thud. Shake the earth around you a little bit. Who's that rock represent? What unforgiveness have you been holding on to? that you're unwilling to let go of. Or maybe what do you need to forgive? Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you've been holding on to resentment to yourself of some things you have done you're not too proud of, even though God has already forgiven you for them. That weight, that rock that we hold is often affecting us more than it affects the other person. Forgiveness is not only good for the community, not only good for our emotional, but also for our spiritual health. And lastly, it's also good for our physical health. There was a review done in 2009 of 44 previous studies gathered together, and it found that those who held on to anger and resentment and hostility were at greater risk for CHD, or coronary heart disease disease. These are the findings. It says this. The current review suggests that anger and hostility are associated with CHD, or coronary heart disease, outcomes both in healthy and those with pre-existing conditions, or CHD conditions. And men, listen up. Intriguingly, the harmful effect of anger and hostility on CHD events in the healthy populations was greater in men than women. Intriguingly, greater in men than women. So even our physical hearts suffer from not forgiving. The forgiveness we offer to others may be just as beneficial to us as it is to them. Drop the rock. Corey Ten Boom was alive from 1892 to 1983. Her family, was Dutch clockmakers and she was alive during Nazi Germany. And her family actually hid Jewish people during Nazi Germany and eventually were found and thrown into concentration camps. She came out to be able to tell her tale, but her sister was not so blessed, eventually succumbing to some previous diseases that she had where she eventually passed away. She went on, though, to write about it. One of the books was called The Hiding Place, where she speaks about her time in Ravensbrück concentration camp. But she talks about how she was at a church in Berlin in Germany in 1947, speaking to a church congregation about her experience. She said she was talking, she was telling her story, and then she said a gentleman came in the back, dressed in a trench coat, didn't think anything of it at first, but then all of a sudden... She had flashbacks and went straight back to that concentration camp. The stark, harsh lights overhead, the horrible conditions that she and her sister and other people suffered. And she immediately recognized that man with his skull and crossbones outfit and uniform on as one of the jailers from the concentration camp. She said it took everything in her to finally just get through the speech, just get through it. And she finished, she did it, but then afterwards, she said she was approached by the man, came right up to her, and said, Miss, you spoke beautifully on forgiveness, and you mentioned Ravensbrook, and I was one of the jailers in the concentration camp. And since that time, I've become a Christian, and I have asked God to forgive me for the horrible things I've done but I'm curious if you could find it in your heart to do the same. Again, just locked up, freezing, not knowing what to do. She thought to herself, just get this moment over with, but then she remembered, forgive us as we forgive. Forgive us as we forgive. So she said she stuck out her hand, just putting it up there, and she said she had this warm, tingling feeling that came down her arm into her hand and that overcame her whole body eventually saying, I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all of my heart. She then goes on to say, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. When she offered this forgiveness to someone else, she was able to see the love of God and know it more intense than she had ever known. And maybe that's the same for us. When we are able to forgive others, maybe it is the inexcusable in them because God has forgiven us for so much. Not only will it benefit the community, our relationships, those around us, but it also benefits ourselves so that we can know the love that God has for us and all that he has forgiven us for. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, forgiveness is not always easy. It's sometimes messy and clunky. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's a process. But God, with your help, we would ask that you would not only forgive us, but that we would be able to forgive others. Give us strength when necessary. Give us courage where needed. Amen.